If you have your Bibles, you bring your Bibles today. Amen. Let's make our confession this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today that your word is alive. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide asunder between the joints and the marrow, the souls and the spirit. It will reveal to us the thoughts and the intents of our our heart. It will reveal your word and your transforming power to us. So Lord, today we yield to the word to do a work in our lives that we might live to the praise of your glory in Jesus name. And somebody said, amen. amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles up, open to 1 John chapter 4, and I'll read uh, just one verse with you. And this morning, this is game day today. David, put up my, my game day thing if you got that one there. Did you get it? There it is. Somebody say, get in the game. Get in the game. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Even though this morning I feel kind of fired up and you might get to watch me do some crazy stuff. Man, I got my, my, my casual pants on. How you been? I got my comfy clothes, got my jersey on. I'm ready to root, rip and tear. Amen. So I like this. It's cozy. It might become our new style. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, but God, his will is for all of us to be in the game of building the kingdom. And as I was thinking about that, it, it just is important that we understand uh, as we're going to our missions class, our perspective class, and it's awesome because they talk about uh, unreached people groups. And uh, when you think about that, when you go to nations and that, there are over 17,000 uh, nations broken up by languages and, and uh, areas and, and demographics, and over 17,000 people groups in the world. Amen. Out of 190-some, 200 nations, but that, that's actual physical nation. But within that, there are 17,000, like what they would call nation, but people groups, a nation within a nation. And they start talking about how many of those are unreached? But then I started thinking, we, we can't all go overseas. But wait a minute. So what, what that means is, is that maybe if you go to India, in fact, when we did that, when we first had the introductory class, it, it had all the unreached people groups up on a wall, and you're supposed to walk around and find one. And I found one little people group in India that has their own language, and it's 500 people. 500 people that haven't been reached with the gospel. And, and they don't have the gospel in their own language and that, the Bible in their own language and that. And so th those are unreached people groups, but they're in a nation that has the gospel being preached. And so I started thinking about what about El Dorado County? I wonder how many unreached people groups are right here in El Dorado County. I wonder how many we could go to and we could read. And so when we think about, so we don't want to take missions and push it around the world. We want to make missions an actual part of how we live every day. And the only way to do that is for you to get in the game. You have to be in the game of preaching the gospel. We read it in Matthew, going to all the world and preach the gospel. When we think about the world, immediately we give ourselves a disclaimer because the world goes across water, it goes overseas, it goes to foreign country, but the world is right where you live. The world is your neighbor across the street. The, the, the world is where you work every day. Amen? That's the mission field that God has set you in. Amen? And so uh, we, we want to do that. But then I started thinking about the game, and everybody thinks, well, you know what? What part could I play? And, you know, today the game is going to be played, and, and this is Super Bowl Sunday. But I was praying with our candidate. I just started praying, you know what? Every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday in God's house. Every Sunday God shows up and makes somebody a champion. Amen? 
Every Sunday, people become winners when they say yes to God. And so every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday when we serve God. But thinking about that, when it comes to the game today, you know, at the end of the game, somebody's going to be named the most valuable player. I'm waiting for the day when the guy who catches the ball from the center puts it down so the dude can kick it becomes the most valuable player. Nobody ever high-fives that guy. He has one job, run down on the field, kneel down where nobody can see you. Raise up, catch the ball, put it down, spin, the, 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 spin it around so the, 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 the grips are out of the way and hold it with your finger real still so the dude that's going to get all the glory can kick it. Now, I don't care how good of a kicker you are. Without that guy, you're nothing. I'm just saying. Without that guy, you're nothing. And that's the mentality you have to have in the body of Christ. Who's the most important guy at that moment on the field? It's not the guy going to kick. If that guy doesn't catch the ball, put it down, and hold it just right, it, it, there's no point. Nothing's going to happen. There will be no score. And the game could be decided by one point or three points. Do you understand that? And so what the enemy does, he tries to make you insignificant, which is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we give too much honor to the, the different parts of the body and less honor to the unseemly parts. Are you with me? And so I want you to keep in mind when it comes to getting in the game, I'm just telling you, I don't care what's going to happen. They're not going to win unless that guy does his job. And many times it's the quarterback or the running back that gets MVP, the guy that scores the most or threw the most touchdowns or does all that stuff. But I just wonder, you know what, if, if the offensive line just stood up and said, hey, you're on your own, dude. Make your own hole. The center says, snap your own ball. Are you listening to me? So there, there's always, but, but what I want you to understand, that the, what's going to happen today is one team is going to win. Not one person. One team is going to win. Are you with me? One team is going to win. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. God doesn't make us individuals. He makes us a part of a body and we're part of the team called the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And we have an adversary and we're in this game every day. You're playing the game every day and we're all playing our part. And to the degree that everybody does his part, everybody and every member is significant. Could you say amen? So watch this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory. Somebody ought to shout amen. amen. Come on. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen? Amen. And so we've been talking about taking the leap of faith, and I've been trying to encourage you to take the leap of faith. But today, I want to talk to you about the release to come and releasing the greatness within you. Look at your outline, if you would, with me. Somebody just say again, it's time. Amen. It is time. It's time to get in the game, time to take the leap of faith, time to say yes to God. See, the will of God is for everyone to live in the fullness of the increase of harvest he has pre-assigned to their lives. 
through abiding in the vine. Last week we dealt with that a little bit more. Just abiding in Christ. Everything flows to us from Him. Our Heavenly Father is our Creator and He created us with purpose, on purpose and for purpose. And that is, we read in John 15, to bear much fruit, to overcome obstacles, to take the leap of faith. You see, the key to living by the provision connected to His promise in our life in many times is just a simple adjustment. Sometimes in order for things to break through, I just need a small adjustment. Sometimes just a paradigm shift, a perspective change in order to see a breakthrough. But just because it's simple doesn't mean that it will be easy to do. Or everyone would be walking in the fullness of God's provision for their life. People say, well, that sounds so simple. It is, but you have to do it. And that's where it gets challenging. The discipline to do. I want you to think about it. Yesterday was awesome. I, I got to be with uh, uh, a lot of pastors. We, we went and had a memorial service for Pastor uh, uh, Henry Wells, who was here. If you remember, several years ago, Pastor Henry came and preached for us, and a retired Presbyterian pastor from Fair Oak Presbyterian Church, ministered in the area for over 35 years, just a great man of God and a real hero and a real mentor in my life. And so we were there just celebrating uh, his homecoming uh, with the Lord and that. But I started thinking about this. What's going to happen? You know, the Bible says, because they said, you know, Pastor Henry is in heaven. He's received his crown. And, and the Lord just spoke up and said, yeah, how did you get that crown? I mean, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. Lord said, how do you get that crown? He said, I'm going to give him a crown. Watch it. I'm going to give him a crown. Every, every believer is going to receive a crown for what I did through their life for my glory. When you get to heaven, you're going to receive a crown for being faithful to God. But listen to what God said. He said, I'm the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And so God, it's God's supply, his provision. God makes you everything he needs you to be so he can reveal himself in the earth. And if you will let him reveal himself in the earth, he'll give you a crown when you get to heaven for allowing him to work through you. He does it all through you. And he gets a glory. And then you get a reward for letting him be God through your life. This is a no-brainer, guys. And so to sign up to be used by God and to allow his provision to flow through our lives, think about that. When we get to heaven, we are going to receive a reward and a crown for everything God did in and through our lives by his provision in our lives for his glory and the increase of our kingdom through our faith and trust in him. Wow. In a world that is looking for new for the new and the next thing, we need to hear and understand the insight of E.M. Bounds back in 1890s. He said this, men are God's method. While men are looking for better methods, God's just looking for better men. Woo! How many know that'll preach right there? God's just looking for better men, better women. All God needs is men who will follow his plan to receive his provision to accomplish his purpose. Look inside your outline. The flow of God's provision is to accomplish his purpose. Prosperity is the flow of God's provision to accomplish his purpose. Anybody in this room, you can come up with ideas and ways to make money. Making money doesn't mean you're living by God's provision or by his prosperity in your life. Kingdom prosperity always flows for the purpose of increasing his kingdom. Accomplishing his purpose. His provision is for his purpose. Are you doing all right? And when you live by his purpose, he will always make sure you have provision to accomplish his purpose with more than enough left over. That's the way the kingdom works. 
You see, prosperity without purpose will only lead to deception and perversion. Prosperity that flows to accomplish purpose directs my focus and protects my life. So important. See, we must have a standard for our life, for our home, and our ministry. Many times young parents come in, marriage couples, oh, that's a, okay, what's your standard for your home? You better set it now before the kids arrive. Because if you don't have a standard when you start, you may find yourself living by situational ethics. That every situation rises up, you're trying to decide what's your standard going to be. Amen. And years ago when I would preach on this and every now and then we do messages on marriage and family and on life and, and, and family raisings. Pastor Sue and I set a standard before our kids ever became teenagers. And that standard was that our kids will never date. <gasps> That's right. You can't date until you can afford to be in a relationship. That means you have to have a job. You have to have a place to live. You have to have your own transportation. You have to be able to feed and clothe and take care of yourself. That's about how many amens I get every time I say that. <laughs> because here's what we do. Dating is teaching your kids relationships are disposable. That I can become emotionally engaged with somebody, date somebody, make a commitment to somebody. I like you. I like you. Let's hang out. Let's commit ourselves. Let's become boyfriend, girl. Let's go steady. Hello. And then all of a sudden, I don't like you. You don't do it for me anymore. So I'm going to throw you away and go like somebody else. And so we mentor our children in disposable relationships and we train them how to be divorcees. We teach them to practice divorce. Now you raise your children any way you want. I'm just telling you, we set a standard for our home. And our kids knew when they got to that age, well, I think I want to. I said, that's cool. Move out. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I said, move out. You can stay here, live here, go to school here. I'll help you. I'll provide for you. But if you want to do it on your own, go on your own. I'm not going to. Anyway, moving right along. So you need to decide what your own standard is. Psalms 101 to give that. Let me give you this. Three functions of the word of God in our life. It's there to guide, guard, and govern our lives. Guide, guard, and govern. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says this, that if we'll be good shepherds, that we will receive a crown. That same crown. God equips us to do everything that we need to do in our life. And if we will do it right, there it is again that we receive a crown or a reward just for allowing him to work through our life. Think about this. Men, families, and nations are great by the wealth of their virtues, not by the virtue of their wealth. I love our president. I'm glad that he's turned some things around. But I wish he would work a little bit harder on some of his virtues. That's a hang-up many people have. He's doing good in the workplace, and he's helping us in economy, and we're stronger in doing all that. But, bro, just kind of curb your mouth a little bit. You know, you, you don't have to answer everything. You don't have to go. So, so what's happening, and, and that's where people have wealth and virtue gaps. Are you listening to me? So that's so important. So our nation, we can be very wealthy, but think about the virtues of our nation. We are murdering babies at an unprecedented rate. We are sanctifying, redefining the sanctity of marriage and, and the identity, sexual identity, and everything else. We're, our, we're, our virtues are, are going into the toilet. They're, they're tanking on us. And so wealth doesn't always establish virtue. Hear me. Wealth does not make you right. It only gives you the power and the opportunity to do right. 
Having provision doesn't make you right. People are like, well, I'm really rich. Well, good. Who cares? Unless you're doing right with what you have, unless it's empowering you to do right, and there's virtue connected to it. Are you doing all right? So think about that. We should be able to listen to the Holy Spirit until we can see the need, what the need is, and then move to meet the need. Put the eternal things first, as we said last week, kingdom purpose, and make it a priority in your life, and the temporal will take care of itself. The reason many Christians struggle is we're trying to fix the temporal before we ever say yes to the kingdom. What you have to do first is get in the game. Take the leap of faith. Declare it is time. I don't have to get that right. God makes all that work. Seek first the kingdom. Amen? And things turn around. I, I like this. It says you can pitch. So, so get this this morning. Never violate your values to fulfill your need. Never violate your values to fulfill your need. Never compromise yourself for advancement, in other words. Because you can pitch personality, but you have to build character. I met a lot of guys had great personality, and they got the job based on their personality, but they didn't have the character to sustain it. So you have to build character. W.T. Gasson said this, when charm wears off, you have nothing left but character. And sometimes just find out that dude's a character. <laughs> Charming, but that's a character right there. Amen? So watch this. Some of the ladies could have said a lot bigger amen right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want to challenge you with this this morning. Some of you need to hear this. Once upon a time, there was a dream in your life. Once upon a time, there was a dream. Today, we're going to watch a game that is really going to be the fulfillment of some young men's dreams. They dreamed that one day they would grow up and be drafted into professional sports. They dreamed that one day they would be on a team that would play together cohesively enough to make it to this place. They dreamed one day that, that if they could get on that team and find that cohesion together, that synergy together, that they would have a chance to achieve their ultimate dream and be the champions. Some of you in your life one time, there used to be a dream Think about it. Dreams of greatness, a time when we wanted to be somebody, advance, achieve something, to do, to get somewhere. Unfortunately, along the way, millions have forgotten that we are the masters of our own fate and creators of our own destiny. Most think that if God assigned our purpose and destiny, then he will bring it to pass. You see, he designed and planned our destiny and purpose, but we are the ones who will possess it. You and I. Every time I think about that, I think about Joshua challenging some of the, the, the nations in Israel and just says, hey, how long are you guys going to sit here? Half the tribes had possessed all their land. They're just sitting there. God says, how long will you wait until you go and possess? God's given it to you, but you have to go dispossess the enemy and take possession. It's already yours. He said it's yours, but you have to go take it. And that's the whole point. You have to get in the game. Well, I'm just, and pe people say, and, and I, I wish we could take it back and get this in the right context. Well, you know, if the Lord's wills. Well, first go back and define it is, and you'll never say it in that context again. It's God's will that you win. It's God's will that you overcome. It's God's will that you prosper. It's God's will that you possess. It's God's will that you be saved. It's God's will in every area of this life that you be healed. Could you shout Amen. And so instead of using God's will as a disclaimer, we ought to say, hey, God's will. You know, I think about this. And people have turned that to the other side and messed it up. 
Amen. Back in the days of the Templar Knights and everything else that happened back there, that's what they always declared when they wanted to go to war. They'd raise their sword. God wills it. I've been. We ought to have some more of that. Let's go to war. God wills it. Amen. It's his will to overcome. Amen. It is his will. But think about that. We have to possess it. Everything for your life is either in us, within the grasp of our faith to possess it. Just take the leap of faith. We must rise up and move towards it or begin to draw it out by faith and trust in the one who, <coughs> excuse me, who is working in it. Whether it is a promise or fulfillment of purpose, we must move to make it come to pass. God is the author. Hear this. But we are the recipient and the one with authority in the earth. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. God created Adam and Eve and this is what he said. Go forth and have dominion. Subdue it. That means they, they were involved in subduing. Be fruitful and multiply. So he told them, he, he assigned them with purpose. And they were going to be the ones to do it and to bring it to pass. What, what happens, no matter what age you are, that's when I get excited when young people get baptized. Because when a young person says, hey, I'm not going to wait to get old. Where in the Bible does it say you have to be old? Nowhere. It just says, hey, that young people and young men get excited about God and at an early age, like a David, man, just as a young teenager, slaying lions and slaying bears. And by the time he was 17, he was ready to kill a giant. Are you with me? So I get excited when young people say, hey, I want to find out what God's purpose is for my life. I want to be a possessor. I don't want to hang around old people that have become religious and stagnant. Amen. Amen. Neither do I. That's why I like hanging out with young people. Amen. So watch this. So we have to rise up and possess it. We have the authority. It takes our agreement by word and deed. Hear me. It takes your agreement, my agreement, by word and deed to bring it to pass. We have to be in the game. Could you say amen? See, many have given up on the idea that big dreams and goals are achievable. Far too many have lost sight of the greatness we possess within. Never forget, we are the branch, he is the vine, and abiding in him releases the flow of his provision through our life. You know, years ago, Converse ran an ad and had this for their slogan, champions are born and then made. What a great slogan. Champions are born. How you been? Soon I've been cracking up. How many of you have seen the Geico commercials about Pinocchio? As I look around this room, I see nothing but potential. <laughs> you have potential, no. And so, <laughs> I love that. Amen. <laughs> Pin C Nokia. Yeah. Hallelujah. Anyway, I love the Lord. Watch this. God uses people like me. You ought to be encouraged. Y'all just look up here and say, God, you use that? <laughs> I could do anything. <laughs> Amen? So watch this. They had champions are born and then made. The ad implied, watch this, that the innate greatness we possess at the moment we came out of the womb would soon be replaced with limitation and defeat. What do we say? Be careful, don't do that. Be careful, don't. Oh, oh. And we start putting limitations and fears and restrictions upon our children. 
Now, there's wisdom, but don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Hear me. We are born to win, yet soon we're conditioned to lose. And we too easily let go of our dreams and settle for just an existence unless we can hear the voice of the Spirit. What'd you give up on? You used to have a dream, you desire. What made you give it up? What happened? Come on, dream again. Amen? See, too many tempted to set their dreams aside before they make the slightest effort to achieve them because of fear. What do they fear? The unknown failure, what others will think, even success. Some people are afraid of success because when you succeed, you have to leave failure behind. And sometimes failure is people that you like. People that don't want to achieve because they don't want to achieve because they have an excuse and they're a victim for everything happening in their life. They don't want you to achieve either. So they are anchors and they're trying to suck the life out of you. And every time you move forward, they say, no, 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 don't leave me here. It's kind of like, dude, just get up and come with me. And so many people, because they allow too, peop- too many people to have too much access and demand upon their life, even greater than God. Hello? They never succeed because of the sucking sound of people drawing them back. So they never become the success they could have become. And they fear success in that area. See, we must desire to do more than just live lives of quiet desperation. Oliver Wendell Holmes said this, What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Just look at somebody and say, there's greatness in you. Tell somebody, I'm serious, tell somebody, there's greatness in you. Amen. You need to hear that. There's greatness in you. Greatness in you. Amen. For those of you like me that are in our 60s, start reading some biographies of people that didn't start till they were in their 60s. Do you know how many biographies there are of great men and women and discoveries and advancements and changes that took place in lives of people who chose not to buy the lie, you're too old? Glory to God, that's the one stuff I want to hear, amen? So let me ask you this. Michael, can you and the guys come back? What if I could convince you today It's time to take the leap of faith. What if I could convince you that God created you with greatness on the inside of you? That he assigned a destiny to your life that is far beyond anything you could create on your own. That if he has pre-planned purpose for our lives, then he must also have pre-planned provision flowing to you through the vine. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. And you will bear much fruit. Abiding means his provision to produce flows through our life. Amen. I'll be on. Like I said, I'm excited for where our church is. We're walking and we're getting ready. And we've already made some events, but we're getting ready to start doing some actual construction in there, over there and stuff, and framing up walls and stuff. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, God, at 25, I had nothing. I destroyed everything in my life. I lost everything. I lost my family. I lost my son. I came to California with $10 and a duffel bag of clothes. And I just gave my life to Christ. And I walk around and I'm going, God, you let us buy this place. You're letting us transform it into a place 
of refuge for people in our county. To bring increase of your kingdom through this house into your county. God, I was a mess. And God never chooses you based upon... I, I, I just say that God didn't choose me based upon my stupid. Do you understand that? He uses us based upon what He created us to be and put in us. All we have to do is trust and agree. God, I believe you could do something through my life. Even when I applied for my credentials in 1981, we said, Son, we're sorry, but because of your failure, we can't use you. I said, that's okay. I'll just serve God anyway. See what happens. Some of you need to have that attitude. That needs to be your statement. Well, you know, I'll think one thing about you. Oh, cool. Go ahead. Have your thought. I'm going to serve God anyway. See what happens. Amen. And then over 40 years later, you'll look back and God will use you to do great things. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. So think about that. What if I could get you to be less concerned about the circumstances and conditions surrounding your life and how you came into this world or how you got to the place you are today? Well, you don't know my life. You don't know my background. Who cares? I really don't care. Everybody came from a dysfunctional family. Every parent is dysfunctional. I'm serious. Every parent holds a baby and goes, what do we do with this? You read all the books, do all the stuff, did everything. I always laugh with Sue because Sue, is, is, my wife, is amazing. And she studies everything. She researches everything. So she was pregnant with Austin. She started reading all the stuff. She's eating all this healthy food. And she gained all this weight. <laughs> and then it, it made everything hard. So when she had Jamie and Cody, she said, man, I ain't doing that again. I thought I was doing everything right. And then everything's different. And then you try to do everything right. And you try to go through all the procedures so you can have the perfect child. And then they come out. And you had one. That one turned out all right. This one, you don't know where you came from. And this one, you're sure they swapped at the hospital. (laughs) But now you're stuck raising them all. And trying to get them to blend together. You're dysfunctional. Amen. And I found out that most parents just finally figure that out. A lot of times we just finally figure out. We just go, okay, it doesn't matter. I just love you anyway. Whatever happens, hopefully we'll survive. When you're gone, we'll have a new life. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. People say, do you mind an empty nest? I said, no, just stand here and listen for a minute. What do you hear? Nothing. It says, glorious. Amen. Amen. Are we doing all right? Let me ask you this. So what if you weren't expected? You weren't planned or even wanted. God knew you were coming. There's never a life that enters this world that God doesn't know is coming. And there's never a life that enters this world that doesn't have his stamp of purpose upon it. That doesn't have his value upon it. So what if you were not born in the best of conditions and under the best circumstances? So what if those who were supposed to love you, failed you, dropped you, discouraged you, and even disowned you? So what? So what? My birth dad left when I was two. And over the years, we never had much connection. Visitations every now and then. 
But not the father who was at games or showed up or did those kind of things. That, that I never had that in my life. And so many times I pray for people. I, I wish I could impart some things to people. Because I just decided, hey, if you don't want me, I'll go find somebody else who does. Amen? And so I'd go find old men. And I found out that old men like to teach young men how to do life. Amen? So I had like a bazillion dads and grandpas every time I got around them. I just always looked at And this is what I still do today. I always act like I'm the youngest person in the room. In, in the means of drawing on what other people know. So my whole life I learned to draw upon, hey, what do you know? What do you have? What could you show me? Are you doing all right? And so in that you glean more. But, but if you just make yourself a victim... And you give yourself an excuse. You'll talk yourself out of the greatness that is in you. And you'll never get in the game. Today, what if I could get you just believe that God knew? I don't care whatever your circumstances. So what? What about the God who ordained you to be here at this moment, at this time, and has put his greatness on the inside of you? What if you just got hungry to find out? That's why I love Jonathan. Jonathan, with his armor bearer and the Philistines are out there, and just goes, hey, let's go see what God will do through our life. We, we don't need the army. Let's just leave everybody here in the camp, and, and thank God for the army. We can leave the band there with them and everything else, and Dwayne can keep playing his bass. But let's go find out. Let's go find out what God will do. We don't know. Maybe he might deliver them into our hand. Watch it, because God's not restrained to save by many or by few. And one crazy guy found another crazy guy to go with him, his armor bearer. And the armor bearer just gets up and goes, hey man, sounds good to me. Do everything that's in your heart to do. And two guys, God delivered the enemy into the hands of two men. I read that stuff and I go, God, let's do some of that. Amen. Let's do some of that. What if I could get you to believe that's your God? Today, his heart is for you to be a champion. So here we are. You're here and now and God's purpose is alive in you. You can take the leap of faith to become the champion in Christ that he has called you to be. What would happen if we were no more con we were more concerned about what we should do, become, and produce and accomplish now that we are here. What if we could release our past to possess our future? What if we began to seek God and allowed the Holy Spirit to give us clear vision and purpose and then went after it with all of our heart? That's what I've been trying to get across the last few weeks talking about the leap of faith. What if we just took the leap of faith? What if we believed it's time and we just said yes? It's time for us to move into a closer, more intimate relationship with the one who has called us to win. Stand with me this morning. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I thank you today. Lord, the world's made a joke out of people having potential. And they advertise and market. 
And Father, you created every person in this room to be a champion, to have significance in your kingdom, to have eternal impact with eternal destiny stamped upon their life. Father, today I thank you for moving in hearts and lives. And Father, if there's one here today that has given up on their dream, allowed circumstances of their past, whether recent or a long ways back, to become a crippling factor in their life, to rob and to steal their dream. Father, I pray today they would dare to dream again. 